0: Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast, dedicated to modern sales and marketing, innovation and leadership. Here's your host, Ian Altman.
1: Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm joined this week by coach Dana Cavalier. Dana is the former director of Strength and Conditioning and Performance for the 2009 World Series Championship New York Yankees. The same year, he was awarded the Nolan Ryan Award, given to the top strength and performance coach in Major League Baseball, as voted by his peers. He's talking about his new book, Habits of a Champion. Nobody becomes a champion by accident. We're going to talk about the biggest misconception when it comes to leading teams, how your energy may be a key component to how other people perceive you, and the steps you can take to get better performance from your team. You're going to learn a ton and really enjoy the conversation with Coach Dana Cavalier. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You know, it's it's a cool thing to have somebody with your background and having trained some of the top athletes in the world and you know that World Series thing, it's not called the local series, it's the World Series for a reason, right?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. We uh we had a chance to win in two thousand Nine, I can't believe it's already been 10 years where we uh, we were able to edge out the Philadelphia Phillies and, uh, you know, become the world champions that year. And it was an amazing year when you get to see, um, when you put that much talent in a room and you actually get to see the talent uh, work together and get better and better every single day throughout the season and deal with the adversities that sports brings, the, the, the losing and the winning, and then in the end you hope you have more wins than losses and and uh you know you get to be champions
1: and and th- and thankfully you did and keep in mind now all of the listeners in the Philadelphia region are torn like do <laughs> they do they tune to something else do they keep listening cuz you know it's still an open wound for some
0: <laughs> yeah well you know what they they won the year before so they they got their ring it's all fair. too so
1: we 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 were due
0: we were due <laughs> exactly so
1: can you start by sharing something surprising about you that our audience may not know
0: yeah so something it's surprising, and it's surprising to me. But I was—I uh, was actually the youngest uh, strength and performance coach in professional sports. I started at at 19 years old. Wow. Um, you know, with with the Yankees, I started uh, my career, and and it was ch- it was challenging. You know, being being a young guy that was uh, you know driving a beat up Mazda to work every day. That you know, you were just hoping the wheels didn't fall off. And uh, you know you have to tell these guys that are making 20 30 million a year what to do. That was uh, that's how I cut my teeth in sports and it gives you you know gives you a certain mindset and a certain mentality that you need you know for survival. So uh, that's that's my, my mystery fact.
1: You know what that's uh it's it's fascinating though I mean just the i i I knew that you had started at a young age and realized nice. that that uh that you were nineteen at the time and I'm just picturing you going up to some of these world class athletes and at some point them looking going I'm listening to this kid
0: <laughs> yeah that's 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 really what it was, and you know i I always tell this story that you know for me I, I, I was a New York guy. You know, I grew up uh, a fan, you know, of of the Yankees. I played baseball myself. My dream was to to get on that field at Yankee Stadium and and be a player. And uh, you know, things didn't didn't really work out that way. But I, you know, I did make a decision to go to the University of South Florida down in Tampa, get out of the cold weather, get to the palm trees, and I I knew that the New York Yankees obviously had spring training down there, along with a bunch of other professional teams. So I made it my business to get down there. And you know, February the team came to town. I was interning with the football team at the time, and you know, when I caught wind that the team was in town, I headed over to the field. You know, I had my uh, my flip phone camera, and I'm taking pictures through a chain link fence of guys like Jeter and and um, you know, Andy Pettit, Roger Clemens, all these all these big names. And and my story, you know, accelerated pretty quickly. In that that same day, I ended up going back to my internship at the college. And, um, you know, the head strength coach there pulls me in and says, hey, Dane, I I have an opportunity for you. I just want to know if you're interested. Uh, You know, the head strength coach with the Yankees um, actually just called and is looking for someone to basically hand out towels, clean the weight room and, you know, supervise the place while he's on the field. Would you have any interest in that? And I said, you know, as a matter of fact, I just got back from there and uh, I would love the opportunity. So the next day, you know, the. The day before, I parked about a mile and a half away because I couldn't afford to pay for parking. And uh, this next day, I had a spot right up front. I walk in, they say, Are "You Dana Cavalier?" I said, "Yeah, that's me." They walked me into the clubhouse, threw a credential around my neck with a uh, you know with a with a C and an for clubhouse and an F for field access. And literally minutes later, I'm in the middle of that same field I was taking pictures of a day earlier, and. And at that point, my life had had completely changed forever. So it was uh, it was a really interesting journey and a, and, a, and a crazy forty eight hours. And and it was kind of where my vision and everything came together. And and um, you know, the opportunity was presented to to me down down a little bit further down the line to be the the head guy and and run the organization.
1: So how how long was it before you went from handing out towels to to being the the head strength and conditioning, conditioning
0: yeah so coach, yeah. so it was it was actually it was actually 3 years of working for free and uh you know I was doing anything I could to, for survival at that point I was working on the back of a tram at Busch Gardens in Tampa Bay welcoming people to the ballpark and what was crazy is when some of our players would take their families to Bush gardens for the day, they'd see me on the back of the tram and say, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know? And it was like mind blowing. But, but anyway, and in between that, I'd be just training people exchanging, you know, time for cash on, on different football fields at different, at different high schools, trying to just survive. Cause I, I didn't want to go get a real job because I wanted to keep myself very available for the opportunity to potentially be with the Yanks. And I got hired as an assistant, um, and literally, uh, about three years into my my journey, um, the the guy that was in front of me got let go, and and that's when I I got my opportunity, and it was it was pretty amazing to be the age that I was and have the responsibility that I had telling the players that we all know what to do, and um, they were amazing. They they took to me, and 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 it was really uh, my first insight as like how a team should run and how oftentimes when we when we're the leader, we oftentimes think we are just we have to power the whole thing ourselves. But these guys knew I was young. They knew I was starting. They knew that I had a lot of passion and I was excited and they picked me up. And and from that point on, a relationship, my relationship with those players and that team, it was amazing and it always has been since since that point
1: and and obviously over the last number of years you've you've infused what you learn in helping these high-performing athletes to apply to the business world so what's what's the greatest misconception that you see that people have when it comes to leading their teams yeah so
0: I, i always start whenever i make the transition from sports to business i i always share how i got there and then i i can get into that and so You know, before all of our games, we'd have all these, you know, VIPs, you know, CEOs, executives that would come down, you know, with their families and watch batting practice. And, you know, during BP, I would go and introduce myself. Some guys would call me over um, and they'd want to get to know me a little bit more. And, And I'd constantly get questions, you know, from these CEOs and executives. You know, how can I improve this part of my performance? How can I improve this part of my leadership? Because again, they they said if you could motivate guys like Jeter and you could motivate guys like A Rod that are you know young, handsome, they're rich, they have huge levels of success. I'm sure they have huge egos. If you could do that, can you give me insight as to how I can do that with myself and how I can do that with my team? And that's how that's how I got started in in the business world and, and consulting and
1: working with the CEOs and executives. Um, so. So, so in, in, in working in working with those in working with those people, though, what's what's the greatest misconception that, that you see that they have when it comes to leading their teams? Because my guess is they often start in one area that I know that in my business, the, the, what seems like the problem people need to solve is often not the real problem.
0: Yeah, it's it is. It's uh, what I what we oftentimes uncover is that it's not always a problem with the team. It's usually a problem with the leader. And, you know, sometimes as leaders, we don't un- always realize the vibe, the message, the energy that we're bringing to the team and to the environment and to the office day to day. It's very easy to say my team isn't responding. Very easy to do that. Yeah. But oftentimes we have to ask ourselves, how are we responding? How are we presenting ourselves. Now, think about the typical leader, executive CEO, sales team leader. You know, there's a lot of responsibility on that person for results, you know, especially those that are involved with with public companies. Um, We have to deliver. And what does that have to create, right? It creates pressure. And when us as humans, leader or non-leader, have pressure on us, we do things that we probably shouldn't always be doing, you know, or we respond in a reactive manner. So what I always work with these leaders, is we have to kind of own ourselves. We have to own our own energy and we have to own what we are bringing, you know, to the team, to the leadership situation, to the, to the workplace. And when we can do that, that's when we can really start to understand why our people are reacting the way they are or why they're not doing what we want them to do. So it's, Starting with the self in order to activate the team
1: so often and, and, and I see I see this and throughout different types of businesses where um, where for example, someone someone's leading a sales organization they say, oh, my people aren't hitting their numbers. okay well, what's the strategy? How are you coaching them? How are you helping them de- design and devise? the right approach to generate better results. And it's like, no, no, they're, they're just not, they're not doing what I would hope they would accomplish without necessarily a plan. And then of course I see two, two stark contrasts between the leaders who their team is just so motivated by that person. They'll do anything for them and the people who they just see someone's lips moving, but they're not really moved by what they're saying. So when you talk about the energy that people have, what do you mean by that? So
0: the way the way I I always say one of my sayings is with the folks that I coach is e- energy wins. So again a lot of times I find that because of the responsibility and the pressure that leaders have on them to hit numbers and to succeed and a lot of that is self-inflicted as well. Um you know it it compromises our ability to lead because what is it that most people think? Well, I don't have the time to go develop my talent, to develop the talent that's on my team or I don't have the time to put into my personal training regimen and routine because I have to get to work. I have to hit these numbers. So when I talk about energy, you have to have a certain level of energy that you bring to your team every single day and then your team picks up on that energy and then they go deploy your energy, their own energy into the workplace and into, you know, the sales, uh, you know, the, the transactional nature of sales and, and the, the process of selling. So that's, that's, that's why I always say energy wins. And so many people, they don't take care of themselves, so they're always working from a place of deprivation. And it's a very different theory uh, and a very different way of thinking about how you're showing up to your workplace, to your team, and to the sales process. Because most people, I'll, give, I'll, I'll break it down even further. You know, our athletes, we get them on the field. We train our athletes mentally and physically. We teach them how to travel so they don't show up to the field burnt out, exhausted, tired, fatigued. Because you can't be tired, burnt out, fatigued, and exhausted and then go play well. The same is true in business. And you have a lot of folks. I mean I was just at an airport last night. You know, a lot of people are not fit to lead, they're not fit to sell either mentally or physically because they don't have the tools. And that's what I found when, when those people go to lead their teams and lead their people, they're always coming up like they just don't have the time. Everything's rushed and, and they're not putting the effort and the energy into their people. Their expectations of their people are, are very, almost oftentimes, too high and not realistic.
1: And and so give me give me some examples because what I'd love to hear is and I think it'll help our audience is an example of somebody who man they felt like they were doing things right they didn't have the right energy their team wasn't motivated and then how they were able to turn that around because I, I often think that people learn learn best through examples of what other people have done
0: so I'll, I'll give you an example I was talking the other a uh, couple nights ago with a with a client that's a, a CMO of a, of a big big company and he had an HR review. And in that review, it came back that his team feels like they, they don't connect with him. Uh, the team feels like he's short. He doesn't want to collaborate. It's his way or no way. Okay. That's, that's what came back in, in the survey. But when you talk to him, he doesn't see those things. So right there, that, that disconnect is number one, it's draining his energy. His team is also drained and exhausted because they feel like they're not heard. They can't collaborate, and right there you have friction. And, and that that relationship, unless it's renegotiated, is never going to be. It's never going to work. He's not going to get the results out of his team. His team's never going to get the results out of him. And together, it's it's a team that just can't win. So, that's that's just a short example. Um,
1: so how does it say so how do how do you fix that? So because I, I guarantee, I mean, there's there's tons of people where you know there's that old joke of you know the beatings will continue until morale improves. Where yeah, you know people sit there and they say, well, my team's not listening to me, so I'm just going to yell louder. And it's like, look, yeah. that's not going to do it. In fact, I often find in my keynotes that it's when my voice gets the softest that people lean in the most. Yeah. And it took me years of, of leading organizations and running companies and speaking to realize that. Um, but um, so, so where do you take someone like that? If the HR says, hey, you, you, know, you, you seem like you're just kind of dismissive of people, it's my way, the highway, and all of a sudden it's a shock to him, What do you do? How do you fix that?
0: Yeah. So, so we broke it down in, in, in two ways. I gave him, I gave him two options and we had, we had talked about it. I said, listen, do you think that's true? And at first it's no, it's not true. I'm a passionate leader. I'm, I'm just passionate. And he kept going with that word. I said, okay, you're just passionate. I said, but as the conversation evolved and by the end of it, he said, you know what? They're probably right. So at first our, our defense goes up. Our ego's high. I've been doing this for 30 years. So he realized that he had some work to do and I said, you know, you can renegotiate your relationship in the place that you're at right now. I said, or, you know what? Your attitude, your energy and, and what you bring to the table, you just may not also be a good fit for that business or that company. There may be a startup company that appreciates your your edginess and your go-get-it type attitude. We just have to know, you know, what the right fit is for you, and sometimes, you know, I, I tell folks like this gentleman, you got to know where you're at in in your own um, in your own life cycle in in terms of your own business. So, either dig in and renegotiate where you're at, or realize that maybe your skill set is not transferable to the place that you're at, and you need to change change venues. But you must realize you must be honest with yourself. We can't let that ego and that 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 obsessiveness and the pressure take us over, um, and then blame our team and blame everybody else. When in fact, if we just look in the mirror and we're honest with ourselves, it's probably probably us. And the greatest players in the world—I mean, Derek Jeter—an example. A guy is so open to feedback. You know, he doesn't get snappy, he doesn't get defensive, he doesn't get um, you know jammed up when you give him honest feedback. He takes it. And I saw that with a lot of the top players, but I see with a lot of executives and a lot of CEOs. Um, and and it's, a,
1: it's a funny thing. When I, when I go and work with organizations who are trying to grow their, their businesses, one of, the, one, of the, one of the funny things that will happen is there, there are two different types of descriptions of where people are at. And you get some leaders who say, well, the problem is my team isn't doing this and I got to figure out what's wrong with them. Yeah. And then you get the other leaders who say my team isn't accomplishing the results and I got to figure out what I'm not doing or what I am doing that's leading to that. And that, that second the second example is someone who is empowered to actually make change, the other person's a victim. The other person's like, yep. "Well, all these people suck, so get me new people." Well, guess what? You can get new people over and over and over again, you're probably not going to get a better outcome until you learn to better lead them. And so how do, you, how do you help people tap into that and realize it? Because like you said, Derek Jeter is a guy who is always open to feedback and doesn't get defensive, and I often find it remarkable that the people who are mediocre are the ones who get defensive, and the top performers are always open to input.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, it's, you're 100% right, and, and the person that says, what can I do? to be better or to better my team or get better results that that's that's the the true uh that's the person that that really gets it they're taking personal responsibility the person that blames the team and blames others uh not not so much and i bet you if you were to talk to the teams of both of those people you'd also get different perceptions of the leader you know um so the best of the best like you said i they're very they're very open to feedback and and I, I hate to say this, but when somebody's defensive, they're not coachable until they're no longer defensive. So if somebody is blaming the team, blaming the team, blaming the team, and, and they bring myself into work with them, or even if they bring, you know, somebody like you into work with them, we not we may not be able to help them in that moment, at that time in their life. But as time goes by and maybe things don't go their way they they may have that moment for themselves where they say you know what i have to change and until somebody reaches that point of i have to change they're they're virtually uncoachable you can give them the tactics you can give them the strategy you can give them the plan but if they are not willing to change or make that make the adjustments it's like a stubborn hitter they're just not going to hit that pitch and the pitcher is going to keep throwing it there every single time where they can't hit it until they learn to adjust their swing. And we have to learn to adjust our swing, whether it's in business or whether it's in sports. And, and so many don't, don't do that until they have this, this crisis moment where it's all on the line. And, you know, that's, that oftentimes is, is their wake-up call. And it's the same thing like in, in the other side of my business, which is getting people in shape. You know, until you look in the mirror one day and you say, you know what? Who the hell is that person that may be the moment of change for you, but you know, for some people, they don't get to that point until, until a little bit later.
1: Sure. Sure. And so what, so assuming let's, let's say our audience is listening and they say, okay, I get it. So I gotta, I gotta look internally first. I gotta make sure that I'm giving an honest assessment of how I'm seeing the world and how I'm showing up and the energy I'm bringing in. So if I know that, what are the, what are the steps to follow? Because let's face it, the person who is defensive probably, you know, may may not realize that they're being defensive. So what are the steps that someone can go through to actually work on this and come out better on the other side?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the first part is, is realizing it's, it's that you have that you have the issue. And one thing that I'm really big on is, you know, for executives and leaders, like get to get out, get out of your office, get to know the people That are on your team at a level that's that's deeper than just, hey, that's that's Mary. She's been with the company for 10 years. You know, who is Mary? What is she all about? What does she want? What's her mission, vision and goal? What does she want to achieve in her life? And now as a leader, can I help her get get to those goals? You know, and because if I can help her reach her goals, she's going to help me reach mine and if i if I have ten members on my team and I get to know all of those people and I can help them now all of a sudden it's going to i'm gonna have a team that wants to work for me and it's it's a it's sometimes it goes against the way we were bred, maybe in terms of that push and like come on, you know drive, drive, drive the result, and drive people and there's an element to that that's still important, but you can't drive anyone until you know who the people are that you're trying to. To drive, stimulate, motivate, encourage, and lead. You know, and I, I find that to be the biggest thing. Like, how often do we, you know, actually say, you know what, I do have time. I'm not busy, because I always say I don't have time, and I always say I'm busy, to spend with the people that make up my team. I'm expecting these people to go to battle for me every day. But and I need it, them to go to battle with me. You and, know? And
1: and, and, and and I guess what it comes down to is we can either motivate people for our reasons or for their reasons. And so if, right. we're, if we're in tune with what's important to them, then you know if we all of a sudden know that, gee, what this person really hopes and dreams for is that they can take this 10-day vacation with their family but they just don't have the time to do it, it might be that we say, okay, so how do we get, the, how do we get this business operating to the point that you can take that 10-day trip? A hundred
0: percent. And how do we also? Here, here's the crazy part, and this is what a lot of leaders don't do. How can I let them know what my goals are? Yep. Like they they think that we're just there as leaders to drive them and drive business, but it, it's not that. It's like, why not as a leader share your journey and share your goals with these people? It doesn't make you weaker. It doesn't make you, you know as if you're perceived as, 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 as not being a great leader when you do that. It's, but it's important to create, especially where we are at today, to create that more of a relationship and be focused a little bit more on collaboration as opposed to dictation. It's very different.
1: Now, you know what? I love it. Cause then, then we've got everybody, everybody's signing on to the same goal that says, okay, I'm committed to what your objectives are. You're committed to what mine are. We're probably gonna get a better outcome if we're all working together. And and this way we're moving beyond just the tactics of make this many phone calls, start this marketing campaign, et cetera. But everyone's got a broader goal that that hits themselves personally and not just some organizational objective that they may not care about. Exactly. And and oftentimes, you know, sometimes the way the
0: bonus structures are set up and the way things are set up for people it, they're not even motivated by that, so it's like, well, if you hit this, then you'll get that. But we have to also determine that the that that they get is in line with again what they're looking to to achieve and get out of out of their life. See, in sports, it's pretty easy because you know the guys are playing for championships and they're also playing for contracts. That's all been agreed upon up front. They know why they're there. Um, so it's, it's sports is, is a little bit cleaner, uh, I'd say, than, than business, um, but, but each person on the team, we have to understand like what their needs are. So some players, you know, they need a day off here and there um, where other players could just want to keep going like a Cal Ripken mentality. Um, and the same is true in, in, in business. So you got to study your team. you got to analyze your team you know, as, as a leader, suggesting a day off when you see a person that's not performing. I mean, could you imagine that? It's, yeah,
1: it's you know, what? It, I remember in my in my prior business, I'd have someone come in and say, oh, "I'm just having an awful day. This happened, that happened. Man, I don't know what to do." And I'd say, mm, "Why don't you go see a movie?" And like, yeah, what, like, what do you mean? I said, "Well, I don't think you're in a good mental state to have a client conversation today. I don't think you're going to get a lot done. So you may as well decompress, and then you'll be way more productive tomorrow." It's like. Right. Uh, is that OK? Of course it's OK. I mean, that's that's what you need to be doing right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's you. I mean, that's just you getting it and saying, you know what? I'm feeling something that this person is putting out there. You know, I, you're either observing it visually or you're kind of you know, your gut is telling you that. And and you're using those instincts to navigate that that person, because, again, it's it's like coaching. The, co- the job of a coach is to see somebody's blind spots. Same is true when you're leading people, you know, we have to see things that they don't, that they sometimes don't see in themselves. We have to address it. We have to talk about it. And, and I found that, you know, when, when you, especially on a sports team to keep these personalities working together, it's constantly, the question I would always ask is, Hey, how you feeling? How you feeling today? And, and not being afraid when a guy says something other than good, um, to actually take them, go have a cup of coffee with them, go, go have a lunch. Hey, you know what? Why don't we do lunch on Friday? And it's amazing how the connectivity starts to improve and increase after we do that. It's just an amazing thing. And, and so many people just say, I don't have the time. I'm too busy. You know, we have to get this done and that done, but I'm telling you, you got to make the time to do that.
1: Yeah. And I think obviously the, the key is for people to have that sense and that you can better lead teams. So, so coach, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and connect with you online?
0: So the best way is Dana com. Very, very simple. You can get to me there. And, um, and then I have my new book habits of a champion that's available on, on the website as well as Amazon.
1: Excellent. All right, man. Yeah. Well, thanks. We'll, we'll include all that detail in the show notes as well as links to the, uh, to your website and the book. And, uh, and Dana, thanks for, thanks for joining me and sharing your insight.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate it.
1: Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information that Coach Dana shared that I think you can use and apply to your business right away. I love this notion of energy wins. So if you have low energy, if you're just not motivating your team, those are the results you're probably going to get. Also, when you think that your team is not connecting, realize that you might be part of the issue, and then that whole idea is to resolve this. First, you need to realize and identify the problem, make sure that you walk around and get to know your team, and make sure that you're motivating them based on what motivates and inspires them, as well as communicate what's important to you so you all have a shared vision of success. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. There's a topic I should cover or a guest you think I should have on the program. Drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.